Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ with our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Welcome to worship. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, here we are to worship, here we are to praise, here we are to glorify your name. Glory, glory, hallelujah. We are thankful to be alive, we are thankful for simple thoughts, we are thankful for peaceful dreams, and we are thankful for a life worth living. We love you, we praise you, we honor you, we glorify you. Here we are to worship, here we are to praise, here we are to glorify your name. Amen. Let us stand and sing, please. to be without sin, we are doing just that. We are pretending. We are fooling no one, especially God. We all sin. We all fall short. 
in this condition of being a human, part of our self-awareness is acknowledging that we need God. We are thankful for Jesus and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that guides us. Let us now individually and communally go through our prayer of admission, acknowledging that we do sin, we do fall short, and we thank God for Jesus. God, our fears and prejudice run deep. We stick with those who are like us, rarely venturing outside our comfort zones. We choose to ignore those crying for justice and true peace. We fear connection and run away from the pain of this world instead of walking towards it as Jesus did. We deny the power of your gospel to unite us with those who are different from us. Open us to new possibilities of life for all of your people and use us to build your kingdom. Forgive us, God, and hear our silent prayers. There's good news. We are forgiven. Not because we earned it, not even because we deserve it, not because we are better than anyone else, but because of the blood of Jesus. Thank God for forgiveness. Love God and love each other. Amen. Today is the last day uh, to buy your ticket for the celebration on December 3rd. Um, so we encourage you, if you'd like to be there to celebrate 10 years of downtown church, uh, get your tickets today. Our scripture reading comes today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. Hear now what God has to say to us today. And then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom 
and curing every disease and every sickness. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our sermon today continues the sermon series, What Our Future Holds. Today we're talking about connection. The title of today's sermon is Whites in Their Eyes. About a month ago, I helped lead a backpacking trip with a dozen people from downtown church. We spent three rejuvenating days in the Shining Rock Wilderness of Western North Carolina. Hiking in on Friday, we set up camp in a misty, cold rain. But when we awoke on Saturday, it was gorgeous. And we made the decision that it would be easier to just leave camp set up where it was, do a day hike, and return to sleep in the same spot again. So we left camp, we hiked a few miles, we snacked, we ate lunch, had some minor injuries, got a little lost, and it was mid-afternoon when we were returning to our tents. And our campsite was on this exposed saddle, a ridge between two taller peaks. So it was easily seen from the trail above. And we came over one of the peaks and we, we looked down and we saw our little neon tents that stood out against the brown mountain laurel and grass. And as we were looking and hiking at camp, every one of the crew, we, we all made the same realization. We were counting. We were like, I think there's more tents there than when we left. Two, four, six, eight, geez, a dozen tents. What the heck? Who do these people think they are coming into our campsites? With each step down the mountain, our anger grew. My joyful disposition as a leader transformed into resentment, frustration, and even hatred. It's going to be so loud tonight, we were talking. I bet they're annoying. <laughs> what if they're Boy Scouts? <laughs> I said that as a former Boy Scout myself, fully aware of our capability to be a nuisance. These little neon specks so far away were intruders. They were not like us. We didn't have to know them to know that we did not like them. Or at least that's what we thought. The so-called intruders turned out to be amazingly kind. They shared their firewood with us. They listened to John Beach show them all the details of his ultralight tent. And David Sloan even adopted one of their dogs and the Sloan family got a new pet. Later that night around the campfire, we laughed at our initial reaction. We were ashamed at our xenophobia. And we remembered that as we were hiking down the mountain while nearly all of our crew was angry or fearful or frustrated by these intruders, Chelsea was optimistic, saying, looks like we'll get a chance to make new friends. None of us paid too much attention to Chelsea at the time, but she was right. It's easier to hate specks 
Once you get close enough to see them as people, things change. Brian Stevenson is the founder and director of the Equal Justice Initiative. He created the Memorial for Peace and Justice in Montgomery, Alabama, and spends his life as a lawyer, working to create a more just legal system, primarily fighting for the wrongly convicted on death row. His life was depicted by the book and movie Just Mercy. And I was listening to a podcaster, Krista Tippett, interview him. And Stevenson talks about the connections he has formed with men and women who are facing a death sentence. And Stevenson emphasizes the importance of getting closer, of proximity, and gaining compassion for these people who live drastically different lives than he does. And in talking about that, he quotes his grandmother. His grandmother, who once told him, you cannot understand the most important things from a distance. You have to get closer. According to Jesus, caring for our neighbors and loving our neighbors is one of the most important things that we can do. Therefore, we must come closer. Today's sermon is in a long line of the core components of downtown church. As we dream up the next 10 years, we look back at what matters to us and why. Today, I'm talking about connection. Honestly, it's the easiest one to preach on. Don talked about coffee and humor. Those are equally important, but require a bit more pastoral imagination and creativity. But connection? Jesus is connection. Emmanuel, the name that we'll be singing in a few weeks during Advent, literally means God with us. God connected with us. And so we value connection because Jesus did. We talk with one another because Jesus did. We ask questions that don't have simple answers. We eat with people from different backgrounds. We serve food to one another. We even go camping in the woods because Jesus did. In this verse we read today, and in so many other moments within the gospel, Jesus' connection his proximity to us as broken people. And y'all, we are broken. It changed the way we lived. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. And he chose to keep coming closer. Jesus connected with the Roman centurions, with the tax collectors, with the Syrophoenician woman, the Samaritan at the well. Jesus didn't let his identity as a backwoods Galilean discourage him from encountering the Judeans who looked down on him, the scribes who questioned him, and the Pharisees who doubted him. He connected with children, with adults, with Jews, and with Gentiles. And it did not make sense. Look at what happened. Jesus was born into this world. He got close to us. He saw our brokenness. He loved us. He fed us. He healed us. 
And to this message of love, we responded with violence and with crucifixion. We didn't know how to handle the message of Jesus' love. We didn't understand why he would want to connect across every barrier that we create. Why would he want to have compassion to those who hung him on a cross to die? Walter Brueggemann is a biblical scholar. And in his book, The Prophetic Imagination, he argues just how radical Jesus' compassion was. He writes that in Jesus' time, the one unpermitted quality of relation was compassion. And that Jesus' compassion was not only a personal emotional reaction, but a public criticism in which he dares to act on his concern for others against the status quo of numbness. How often do we say, what has happened to the world? Has it ever been this bad? Have we ever been this divided? Borrowing from Brueggemann's language, the world feels numb. But we have a task before us. And downtown church plays a part in that. To break through the numbness of society and connect with one another. And know one another enough to have compassion even when it doesn't make sense. And we cannot know someone fully from afar. We cannot know someone fully from CNN or Fox, from Facebook or Instagram. You cannot understand the most important things from a distance. We have to get closer. A few weeks back, Gardner and I decided to have a little lunch date and get our booster shots and grab some food and make it back before a meeting at one. So we got our boosters, and before we knew it, we were stuck in traffic, which is rare for Columbia, but it was bad traffic, like Atlanta bad traffic. Every single road that we needed to turn onto was closed. We were stressed, we were ready to boil over, and while stopped somewhere behind USC's campus, we learned that the traffic we were experiencing was caused by the Veterans Day Parade which maneuvered straight through downtown. In my fury, I started lashing out, hating the planners of this parade for being so inconsiderate to me. <laughs> why have a parade in the middle of the week? And why make it go straight through the city when I needed to get to West Columbia? As my car stood idling, windows down, these selfish thoughts steamed inside my head. I ashamedly found myself angry at this whole situation. And then a truck slowly passed in the opposite direction. It was pulling a, a flatbed trailer full of elderly men who looked like they just pulled off an escape from a nursing home. They were sitting on folding chairs decorated with ribbon, wearing hats 
acknowledging their service in Korea, in Vietnam, and in World War II. On the narrow streets, I felt so close that I could reach out and shake their hand. With stoic smiles of men who have seen more than I could ever imagine, they enjoyed their much-deserved recognition. Colonel Prescott fought at the Battle of Bunker Hill in 1775. It was one of the early conflicts in the American Revolution as the British invaded Boston. And Prescott told his outnumbered and outarmed Continental Army that not to fire at the British soldiers until you could see the whites of their eyes, until they were close enough to look and see the whites of their eyes. Off the battlefield, Jesus might tell us not to fire metaphorical insults or judgments until we see the eyes and their whites in the strangers as well. We must come closer. We must connect, and we must connect to have compassion. Connection lets us see each other's eyes and let compassion grow in a place where hatred and animosity grows everywhere else. And there's a reason that hatred grows. It's easy. It's simplistic. We often tell our seven-year-old that it's easier to be mean. And it's hard to choose compassion. And unfortunately, that doesn't change as we age. To choose compassion in a world that equates it with weakness, with foolishness, doesn't make sense. To choose to connect when there's discomfort or disorientation, it's hard. But we are called to do the hard work. We are called to connect, to walk to places of difference, to encounter humans without the desire to manipulate or control, and to see people as what we all are, broken but beautifully made in God's image. Brueggemann says that empires are never built on compassion. Empires are never built on compassion. Well, it's a good thing we're not trying to build an empire. We're building a church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.
table that requires us to come closer. This is a table where, as Charles said in our welcome, where everyone is invited. Everyone has a voice, everyone has a seat, and we don't control the guest list. God does. So come with your doubts, come with your fears, come with your anger, with your joy, with thanksgiving. Just come to this table. Please join me in the great prayer of thanksgiving as found in your program. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's right to give our thanks and praise. Let us pray. Loving God, it is right to give our thanks and praise to you, to you who invited us when we don't deserve it to this table, to you who fed us, who taught us, who walked alongside us and eventually died for us. God, let this wine and juice and bread nourish us to go out into your world and be your hands and feet, to connect across barriers, to break through boundaries, to not let our differences divide us. And God, we praise you, joining our voices with the choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
us now as we pray the prayer that your son, Jesus the Christ, taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night when Jesus would be betrayed, he, he gathered his friends, his disciples, his strange group of buddies for dinner. And he took the bread and he broke it. He said, friends, this is my body. It's broken and given for you. Whenever you eat of this, remember me. In the same way, he took the wine and a cup and he poured it out. He said, this cup holds the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of all of your sins sealed in my blood. Whenever you drink from this cup, remember me. So as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the saving death of Jesus, his life and resurrection until he comes again. I now invite the elders to come forward. Loving holy God, we thank you that you have fed us in the sacrament, united us with Christ, and given us a foretaste of the heavenly banquet in your eternal realm. Now send us out to connect. Send us out to get closer. Send us out to love. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live, love, and work, to praise and glorify your name. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to stand and sing. And don't make Arisha ask twice to sing along.
Amen. Friends, compassion is a difficult choice to make. To choose to connect across boundaries, across barriers, doesn't make sense. So let us be the church that doesn't make sense. Let us be the ones who choose compassion and go out into the world and may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.